We're on a mission from God. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Manson. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour of a weekend. And that means being Saturday, we get to work with our buddy, the tall guy, Nathan Miller. And we sometimes we just like to call him Nathan Detroit. Nathan, Nathan, Nathan Detroit. Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And getting on my Nathan, Minnesota, I guess uh, not very fat, but skinny, if you know what I mean. Well, yes, which rhymes with the color of green. Minnesota skinny? Okay. <laughs> Washington skinny, Minnesota fats, Washington skinny. I well, yeah, I understand. Congratulations are in order because of your billiard distinction. And we knew that you were just a crackerjack player, but now you're being officially recognized by your peers locally. Please tell us about yeah, that. So I was playing in the American Pool Players Association Summer League down here in the South Seattle region. And... Last session, I went undefeated 10 for 10, and uh, there's some other really good players in the league, which uh, I would say are maybe above my ability, and uh, every session, they give out an MVP award for the most valuable player and the best performing player, and they do it for three different tiers, so they got the low-tier level players, and then the mid-tier level, and the high-tier levels, and I'm in the high-tier and I managed to just barely sneak away with the MVP award. I think it was like by one or two decimal points that I got the MVP award. Oh, okay. really? Okay, where's wow. the applause button there? <laughs> we need applause. Fire that button. There we go. Well done. Excellent. And I also oh, understand there's that. one more button that I need to press today, too. Uh oh. Uh, it's over, Nathan. That's done. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And we're on our way as a uh, new year begins. In, in numerology, it's interesting. Actually, he's in a numerolog numerological number one year. And so he completed a lot of stuff in his number nine year. And, and is anticipating some new beginnings and nice new doors opening in his number one year. And we're both pretty excited about it. So we'll see what that's about. Numerology, I find it fascinating. I'm not a numbers person, though. I'm a words person there. But it, 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 it's interesting to me, the concept of it and the nuances. So we'll find out if our guest today has any opinions on that subject. Something along applicable to many, us all. Along with many other good topics. Oh, my goodness. I have the privilege of reading this lady's body yes, here today. Yes, yes, yes. I dressed it up just a little. All I just right. wanted to give it a little snap, a little pizzazz. And I'm talking, of course, about Reverend Bonnie Barnard, friend in life, friend of the show, has been for years. And the folks in Spokane, those new thoughters out there in eastern Washington, they are privileged to have her spiritual leadership and directorship. Reverend Bonnie Barnard believes that the God that was written about in sacred scriptures is alive today within each one of us waiting to be met. Once that encounter happens, she believes humanity will unleash the power of divine love, which changes everything for the better. Bonnie also believes in what Margaret Mead said, 
It is small groups that change the world. Reverend Bonnie answered the call to serve Unity Spiritual Center Spokane about a year ago as she felt the divine love welling up within the Sunday services as a guest speaker. Saying yes to serving means a commitment to encouraging this divine presence through recognizing it, engaging in spiritual practices, speaking the truth, and honoring this presence within others. We are privileged to welcome once again, Reverend Bonnie Barnard. Reverend Bonnie, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. You have so much to offer and there's so much to say. I have to say to you that I may not get to your services via the uh, website that you have every week, but pert near, I don't miss that many. And within the summertime schedule, and I know you had other things going on, but when you're on the platform and delivering that talk, you had this ability to deliver dynamic concepts in a way that eases people into those concepts and allows them to internalize the material instead of sis, boom, ba, pow, wow, razzmatazz. Doesn't seem to be your style, but you get the message across. Uh, I'll take some of that sis boom, whatever that you said. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'll take a dose. Um, well, really, all I'm saying is the same thing every single entire week. And that is that there's only one and it's good and it lives within us. And it expresses to the level that we become aware of it. And so for 52 Sundays a year to say that message in different ways, it takes creativity and a lot of guidance. So this summer was lovely because I decided to do a whole series on creativity. So June, we looked at how God shows up or how that divine love shows up in the form and through musicians. And so we looked at some really stellar and cool people who have um, graced our radio and, um, and playlists over over many years. And then in July, we looked at movies and August was inventors. And it was just such a fun series. And again, it was all saying the exact same thing, but it was demonstrating it through different personalities and ways that it showed up and looking at clues. So, um, so I'm having fun, Gary. <laughs> I'll tell you, Bonnie, Gary and I both got very excited the day that you were talking about inventors and you spoke about some women inventor inventors and Gary and I looked at each other and said, we have got to bring her on to talk about that because what you said was just so incredibly inspiring and information that I did not know. And, and it just made me feel so uplifted. And, and so oh. that's when we said, we have got to get her and bring her on to talk about that stuff. It's yeah. very good information that you have. When you say you're talking about the same thing, you are tacking at it from so many different directions. It never sounds like the same thing. Right. I am coming at it through different directions. So it stays fresh, which is really terrific. And so um, the inventor series started with talking about genius within all of us and how to access it and what it is and all that jazz. And then we looked at um, Edison 
And um, that was really fun because um, he was so brilliant and that he was the very first person to put together a laboratory of inventors. And so um, he, from a, a young age, what I learned about all these inventors is their minds are so creative that they just think of better ways to do everything. So he had found a better way and a new way of doing communications through Western Union. And he got a big chunk of change back in the day. And he opened a, a whole laboratory in Menlo Park. And um, to see, he's been awarded the most um, patents of any inventor. But of course, his name is on all the patents from anyone in his laboratory who did creation. So the, it wasn't him per se, necessarily. And then the next week, we looked at George Washington Carver. And you guys, I think he is my new spiritual hero. Like, that man... Um, was a very sickly, slight in stature, black man back in the day um, in America where um, it wasn't revered. And he, at a very young age, started talking to plants and saw God in all of nature. And he was able to not only heal sick plants, but heal human beings and then go on to make such a significant impress in the United States of America, working with people and their farms because he understood the chemical compositions, all this stuff that, you know, he was in the forefront of all of it. And he was a gentle soul. And when I read about him, it said people in his presence knew God. Like they were in his presence and they would say, I am different. God is here. And he, by just his presence, shifted and converted so many people because he activated them through his activation. And so I found him so compelling. And then when it came to doing women, that was our, my final Sunday. It was really curious because, um, you know, historically women just don't get recognition at all. So to find women inventors who have a substantial body of inventions, I bet you there's, you know, a hundred times more than is written about because it went through different avenues back in the day. But we looked at the lady who um, was the founder of the square bottom paper bag for grocery shopping. And I just love that. I remember that. And I was laughing when you were talking about that. Who would have thought somebody invented? And what were they using before the square bottom bag? They they were wrapping up paper into what looked like an ice cream cone, you know, kind of a cone shape, and then putting food into the cone shape. So imagine bringing home all of your food in a cone shaped thingy that was wrapped and that could open. I mean, how inconvenient. So she was just amazing with that invention. Then, of course, we looked at Hedy Lamar. Um, who did um, the the electronic copying? Is that what it's called when you skip? Uh, um, you guys should know this in radio when you when you skip the different channels. Anyway, she in invented and created that, which led to all of the Wi-Fi stuff that we have today. And that was her story touched my heart in a really significant way because. Um, she was kind of a tragic hero 
Yes. You know? Yeah. So I that was, I wouldn't mind you saying a little bit about her. Yeah. There's a movie about her called bombshell that I recommend everyone watch. It's a documentary. It is fantastic. And she was a movie star. She came out of Austria and so she was familiar with the war. Her dad was a big shot. He um, owned, or her, excuse me, her husband, not her father, um, at the time owned an arms manufacturing company. And she escaped to America in the middle of a party that was being hosted with um, all of the heads of the Nazi party. She just escaped and jumped on a boat and came to America. And she learned English and she became a movie star and um, she was bright, 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 smart, smart, smart. And she, like all the other inventors, would see something and know how to improve it just naturally. And she got her guidance through looking at nature, which a lot of people do. My um, my father was a patent attorney, so I would go into his office and get to see all of his inventions or all the inventions that came through him. And I used to proofread patents in college for a living. So when I, to make extra money. So as I was proofreading these patents, what I learned is almost everything is grounded in nature. Like when something is created, they compare it to a plant or, you know, and then all of our medicines nowadays are synthetic medicine comes from the plant world. So this series for me really opened up my interest in studying the natural world more um, because a lot of mystics say that you can describe God by being able to describe nature. Describing God by describing nature. It has a wonderful Taoist quality to it. I like that, a naturalistic flow to it. And as a matter of fact, the yew tree, which is native to the Pacific Northwest, was very helpful when my mother had breast cancer. She she did not have to get a mastectomy, but the reason why she could avoid that eventuality, and we're talking about maybe 20 years ago now, was because the yew tree was principal in the creation of tamoxifen. And I think uh, women of, of any age encounter the prospect of, okay, I'm getting my mammograms, and if something goes wrong, tamoxifen, tamoxifen might be what is called for that might be prescribed and i think you can use it for 10 years and that's it then its efficacy has run its course but it comes from the yew tree right there Mm. in the pacific northwest and so here is nature helping man i find that fascinating the interconnectedness of it all is fascinating it is and i listened to a podcast a couple weeks ago where there was a naturopath on And he was saying that um, one of the best things we can do for our health is when we walk by a tree to thank it for the life that it's giving us and to have a symbiotic, open, energetic exchange with the trees that we walk by. And that made all the sense in the world to me. So my new practice now is as I walk down the street amongst all these trees, which of course are plentiful in the Pacific Northwest, is that I kind of give a little nod to the tree and just really consciously take in almost that figure eight kind of um, symbiotic exchange from the tree. I like, you know, we're going to, before we're done, we're going to be going outside to hug a few trees here just to show them some love, you know, and the yew tree, I believe is Y-E-W. It's, 
it's a fascinating thing because from all of the and it's also animals i mean we're going to be drawing the riches of the sea up for our benefit and bonnie i didn't intend that we would be taking this little uh, byway but what the heck we're here i hope that when we do that even to the point where we can get the elements necessary to power electric vehicles that it's going to be a give and take relationship a harmonious uh, symbiosis mm -hmm. rather than simple exploitation because I am not a drill baby drill guy. You know, I don't think the answer to everything uh, in society and the movement of it has to do with uh, burning up more dinosaurs. I think there there is the ingenuity of humanity if it doesn't become exploitative, even within a superheated capitalist society like ours, where in most respects of economic life, we Americans do lead the way. Yeah, isn't our, hasn't our lifetime been fascinating? I've just really been amazed with how um, something so good and excess can be not good, like that there's a tipping point where, where um, I remember this when I was in between my home from Arizona moving up to Spokane. And I remember my spiritual advisor saying, what once gave you freedom is now imprisoning you. You need to find a home and get grounded. And I just find it really interesting that there's, um, you know, things that are really helpful to the earth, to humanity, and then when we get to a point of exploiting, the energy shifts and it it loses its support. It's just an interesting walk as a human being, and and that seems to have happened in our lifetime. You know, Gary and I were talking yesterday, um, uh, just the two of us in the living room, about how so many things in our lives have had beginnings, middles, and ends. And when you're talking about the energy shifting, I think that's when you are moving from being in the middle of something to looking at the end of something. Mm. In, in the beginning, you, there's this electromagnetic attraction to groups or organizations or other people or creative pursuits and it's very exciting then when you're in the middle of it you develop a proficiency you go deep uh you 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 get all the juice out of things that there is able to get and then when you're saying the energy shifts i think when the energy shifts and things become exploitative that's the same thing that happens in any area of our lives where all of a sudden what really benefited us at one point doesn't really benefit us anymore. And so if if we're smart and we're paying attention and aware, then we realize what it is and it doesn't have to be a sad thing. Oh, boo-hoo, I, you know, that's not going to be around anymore. You know, maybe it's a good thing to move on and do other things. And, and experience oh. other things, right? That's so beautiful. Um, and that's so aware, right? Because you're looking at a change cycle. And at that end point, if you're talking about an organization like a church or, you know, any kind of um, place that you come together as people, at that end point, there's really 
two questions, not just, is there anything left for me to get out of this, but is it my turn to give? Like, is it like, I'm, am I the elder now? Am I to stay and shift my role from participant to elder? Or is it time to move on? So that is, I'm just talking about that from an organizational perspective, that that's a really curious thing because the shift to an elder also is the ending of the participant and into a different stage of being and a different stage in consciousness. And what being the leader of a center to observe people who don't know how to make change, who um, are stuck and wanting things the way that they've always been and don't understand the movement, life moves. I mean, that's the, we all know that that's kind of the bottom line, but to watch people fight with themselves and make messes everywhere they go because they think things ought to be different than they are is really painful to watch because people are just tying themselves up and can't know until they know. Well, so you're, you're really, yeah, you're saying, you know, change is constant. And, you know, I, I really like what you said about becoming an elder, because there is a distinction between somebody who does things for many decades. Is it that they're incapable of change? Well, maybe it's not that they're leaving an organization. Maybe they're taking on a different role in the organization. So that's why I like what you said about the elders. So then then it's a new cycle. Then it's new right. because you're in a new role. So there isn't right. anything wrong with staying anything more than there's anything wrong with leaving. You, you get right. to a crossroads. You get to a fork in the road and you have to say, what is best for me? What does, where does, what is my heart calling to? Yes. And it may be that you just can't keep doing what you were doing. Yes. And I made the commitment to myself that anytime I left a group of people, I would leave loving them. So um, back when I was um, in the organization where we met, um, when I left the organization, I left the cadre of people that I was serving with. And afterward, people came up to me and said, you were the first person who left in love. Thank you. Because people would get angry, yes. right? And then they would leave and leave that wily coyote smoke behind them. Right. And I had <laughs> consciously made that decision that I was not going to be the person who does that. I'm going to leave with a full and grateful heart wherever I leave, because yes. we know I don't want to be taking that with me in my next place either. Perfect. That is great. The gospel according to Wiley Coyote. This is it. And, there, and if you want that for a sermon title sometime, Bonnie, feel free. I, I have Thank no you. trademark, no copyright. Inspired here. by you too. <laughs> Leaving with love, also known as an elegant ending. And that's when we leave one year of our lives. It can be our personal year. It can be the calendar year. I'm curious about the, the cosmic significance, if any, to the numbers involved into the phases of our lives. Because if you, uh, referring to numerology, as we did at the outset of this show, if you are in a nine year, nine is known metaphysically as the number of completion. Things need to get wrapped up, hopefully with elegant endings of their own. Then boom, you're right into a one year and now you're starting over. Now you're in the place of beginning 
we're beginning again. And I think how much of that baggage can you safely, can you efficiently carry with you into the next year and still be free to pursue new objectives, new adventures, while you may still have some stuff to clean up from where you were before. Yeah, cleaning up is so important. Some people for their spiritual practice every single day at the end of the day do their cleanup work. And then they say, um, you know, I end today so that tomorrow's new. You know, because the the ignorance we have from human perspective is that we're doing the same thing over and over again. And by definition, we can we can never be doing the same thing over and over again because the thing is different and we're different, right? So it's always new. You and can it's never the enter the river the same place twice. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So um um I think what's exciting, Gary, about what you're saying for yourself is that by labeling this year for yourself as a new year like as for you to label it as new gives you the freedom. It's, it's almost like when we do the white stone ceremony at the beginning of the year and we choose our word, you know, right now you're giving your soul, yourself, your spirit, your being permission to step into new territory. And yes. it's, it's a conscious decision that, that the past is not going to define my today because I'm in a new year. And so that's really powerful and something you can leverage quite beautifully. And it does allow, um, one of my awarenesses is that the undefined or the mystery, the what we don't know that's coming is where the juice is. And so part of new is that anticipation and that joy of the surprise that you don't know what's on, what's coming. So it'll you be fun yes. for you to meet life new without having it to be a certain way. I hope that that is true, because if you look at it in terms of a global phenomenon, I can give you an example, which is a flip side of this conversational coin. And weren't we all caught off guard? How could you have a better yeah. year? anticipate than the year 2020. Oh, yeah. yes, my eyesight spiritually, physically, emotionally is going to be 2020. No looking back, going forward, there's no stopping us now. And then came COVID. So well, and, it's important to be upbeat. It's important to remain optimistic, to see life's greater possibilities but there's no room for arrogance or presumption when it comes to what awaits you. You need to ready yourself, it seems to me, from the inside out. Have you made a list of all of the benefits you got from COVID, from the pandemic? That's on me somewhere here. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've had cause to think about it and how it changed my life, but there it wasn't. Right. it wasn't with an attitude of celebration as much as relief that despite the fact that Suzanne and I both got a subvariant of it, that we came through it okay. It was like an extended flu there that I wouldn't wish on anyone. But just this sense of relief, like, wow, now we get to go on. We get to move forward again after being stopped and having to think about the quality of our lives at that point. Yeah, I think that was one of the benefit is that everyone started looking at what's essential. 
what's essential, who's essential. Um, I mean, so many people quit their jobs and changed their livelihoods after it. You know, there was introspection. Oh, my goodness. Did we need some introspection as a species? Are you kidding me? And that first, um, when when we were actually closed down and I was down in Arizona back then, when we first closed down, um, there was wildlife that came into the city that hadn't been there before. And there was the world's biggest snake that was dead in my driveway. I hadn't seen a snake the whole time I lived in Arizona. And I was like, there was a whole bunch of little boys hanging out in my driveway and I was driving home and I thought I've never attracted a group of little boys sit, standing in my driveway. What's the deal? And they stopped my car because they had to show me the snake that was there. And I was like, Oh, got it. Um, and then there was, um, what are those wild boars called? Javelinas that walk down our street, a javelina walking down our street. <laughs> are you kidding me? And so it was like, it just felt like our globe got to breathe for a little bit. It, it, I, I'm, a, I'm a contemplative and I loved COVID. I was never afraid. Um, and I wasn't afraid because I had been to Bali and Hong Kong just prior to COVID hitting. And I think I got, I think I got COVID. So I had been sick in bed for three months. And when I got out, it was announced there was this new virus going around and that it was, and it basically described what I'd had. And um, I went, oh my God, I've had it. And I lived through it. Okay, that's good. And so I wasn't afraid. Um, and so I got to pray and meditate and read and journal and speak on shows and swim in my swimming pool. And, you know, I didn't have some of the needs that like an extrovert had to be around a bunch of people. So for me, I had a good COVID. You're the first person I've ever heard who actually put it in that context. And it would take a new thought minister to do that, always looking at the upside and the greater possibilities of life, because we are under that cosmic umbrella. We are not alone. That's what keeps coming back to me again and again and again. You think you're alone? You're the first person to experience the problems you are encountering or the challenges. You're not alone and you don't have to be alone. Part That's of that right. is your relationship too, to God, to the higher power. But it's also community. And Reverend Bonnie Barnard is a community leader. Let there be no doubting that. She is our honored guest of this hour. She is the senior minister and spiritual director of Unity of Spokane, the Unity Center. And uh, when we come back, we're going to do the marketing piece. So Reverend Bonnie can tell you how to get in touch with herself and her community. But for the moment, we're just going to move the economy forward a little bit. Give us a couple of minutes and we will be right back. We are Manson Mitchell and we're sure glad you're with us today. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. 
Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Mark Anthony with his recollections of meeting Calvin Parker, one of two abductees in the famous Pascagoula, Mississippi UFO case of 1973. On Saturday, Matthew Dix, author of Someday is Today, inspires us on how to make the most of our time and achieve big dreams. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Bonnie Barnard, Reverend Bonnie Barnard. Bonnie, if people would like to attend a service, they don't have to be there in person in Spokane. So please let our listeners know how they can join you at a service. Uh, Any other information regarding website or contact or anything else that you would like to share? Okay, that's terrific. So two things. One is if they'd like to get a hold of me and have a session, a spiritual session, you'd want to go to my website, bonniebarner.com. If you're interested in attending an online service and they are fun and magical and good music and all of that jazz, you'd go to unityspokane.org. I want to spell your name, uh, Bonnie. It's Bonnie Barnard, B-A-R-N-A-R-D, Barnard. I just want to make sure people find it easily and correctly when they look you up. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. I know there's a couple other things that you wanted to talk about, Gary. You know, I'm mainly interested in what gets you juiced these days, Bonnie, What are the things there? Let me see if this, I don't know if this will be much of a Kickstarter for you, but it's certainly on my mind and on the minds of many millions of Americans. I have to sit with the fact. And if I watch the news anymore, I think my head's going to explode. And by the way, we're watching the news less. We purposely watch it less because there perhaps some listeners are going to agree with me when I say that for the balance of 2023 and all of 2024 and perhaps beyond, it's going to be tough to be an American. The whole world is watching. What is it with the Americans and what is going on here? The body politic is has developed first fissures, then splinters, then cracks. Now, is there going to be an outright schism? We have not seen, and I took civics, Bonnie, I took civics class 
in middle school, the spring of 1968. Okay. And I'm telling you, <laughs> we haven't seen anything like that even back then. And we are in uncharted territory and circumstances can go well or they can become dire. But every American citizen who views American life conscientiously has to feel challenged at this time. And I'm going to be honest with you, a little bit trepidatious. Well, I used to think that by by me watching the news, that it somehow kept me safe, like the information would keep me safe. And I've come to realize that not only is that not true, but that um, when I watch the news, I'm not living my life. And so as I'm getting, as I'm entering elderhood, um, I'm aware that I have less life ahead of me as far as numbers of years than I do behind me. And I don't want to spend it watching this conflict going on. And what I will do with my time is I will, when it comes closer to election, get involved and advocate for um, my perspective and all of that jazz. But right now on the run up to there's like nothing I can do. When I, I watched the the news just a couple of nights ago, and it was all reporting on the latest legal activities with Donald Trump and um, an impending um, impeachment inquiry to Biden. Like it was just the same divisive mess. And I just said, right now, what serves me better is to go deep within my soul and to cultivate more of me than it does to sit and watch that. You know, Bonnie, we are doing much the same thing as you. Yay. We made a conscious decision to cut back the television watching. And of course, we are disturbed about what is happening with our country and with our democracy. And while that's going on, we're watching Lahaina burn down. We're watching yeah. Libya with over 10,000 people killed in floods. It, we're watching all this other stuff, which is very hard to watch. And, and as we are trying to maintain our own equilibrium, we have said to ourselves, you know, let's look around where we live. Everybody is fine in our neighborhood. Everybody's still alive in our neighborhood. We still have a pool in the backyard and nice weather here in Florida. Didn't have a hurricane hit us yet this year. And, and so, you know, we're saying if we look very local at what we're doing to see what's happening globally. And of course, the news is always the most dramatic and the most awful to get your attention. Um, just for us to minimize it, to not let it soak up so much of our time. And as Gary said, you know, a void is always going to be filled by something. We have filled it with more positive creative pursuits. And so we're not staying unaware. No, we're turning it on, but we're not turning it on for so much of the time. 
That's beautiful. I have found myself talking to the field more and more and more. I get that we all share a field amongst ourselves and that it is made of divine substance. And I find myself throughout the day, um, you know, giving a shout out to an area of the world or speaking prayers or, you know, um, I, I, it's really interesting to see how I have shifted with giving more attention to the, um, to the unmanifest realm of God's good. It's really just interesting. Um, I, our center, um, and and I don't remember which week this is, but it's one of the Sundays. I think it's I think it's the Sunday with George Washington Carver. Is I showed up to church that Sunday morning, and we had a fire um, in Medical Lake that that burned down the the city, and that's like twenty minutes from us, and we had such bad air quality that it was the worst in the entire country. And it was hard to breathe. It was hard to see the eyes burned. We knew our neighbors just 20 minutes away had lost their homes. Like I showed up that Sunday morning and we circled up and held hands and got ready for prayer. And I said, okay, guys, what's on your mind? And they were like, oh, what's on my mind is, you know, this, was it a hurricane that was supposed to hit California? Um, a tornado I it was yes yeah, yeah it was going to hit yeah. um and someone's sister lived right in the eye of that and then somebody else was talking about it would be nice if i could just breathe in my own city and someone else was talking about their neighbors in medical lake and it was like i said to myself oh my god this is real ministry <laughs> like, yeah we yeah. are holding hands and here are absolutely frightened people whose focus is on destruction, rightfully so, because it's happening in the midst. And so we did a prayer. And that Sunday, I got up at the pulpit. And the first thing I did was burst into tears and cry like a baby, because all of that energy was in the room. And I just said, okay, guys, this is the deal. I don't know what's going on. None of us do. I mean, we say it's global warming. We say it, you know, like we have labels, but we don't know why the certain locations and, you know, like there's, there's so much that we don't know. And I just said, but there's something I do know. And what I do know is that prayer matters. And what I do know is that the thing we call God is good. So that's what I know. That's what I'm hanging my hat on. And um, I was crying and I said a prayer. And then I asked everyone to please pray for rain. And our pianist played this concerto to rain or something. I don't know, sonetta to rain. And darn it, if the next two days it didn't rain and put everything out. Now, I said, did God do that? I don't, I don't, I I say it is. Do I have proof of that? No, I don't have proof of anything. But if the, it didn't rain, guess what we'd be saying? God didn't answer our prayers, right? So I was like, so let's just put one tally on that side. Let's just say, okay, it made a difference that we showed up deep in love and asked. And it happened. 
the what makes me juicy, Gary, that you asked about right now, what's like turning me on and what's happening is that um, back in March, we did a month of miracles and we we had an artist in the community that created this beautiful angel wings and then we had individual um feathers and we would write miracles that had happened during that week on the feathers and then we'd apply them to this this piece of art and by the end of the month the wings were just filled with feathers and and it changed to focus on these miracles that are happening so since March, I have trained my mind that I'm going to look at the synchronicities. I'm going to look at the miracles. I'm going to look at the things that I just can't fathom that have happened. And um, I have five, six, seven, eight of those a week easily. And so I wake up in the morning, back to your comment about new, I wake up in the morning and I go, oh my God, what kind of good is going to happen today that I, it's going to just knock my socks off? And, um, and an example of that is I facilitated a woman's retreat with two other ladies and one woman signed up for the retreat and she did not know what unity was. She'd never been to a spiritual center, but her husband died two and a half years ago and she was ready to get back into society. So she thought, Hank, she saw at a grocery store, she saw our flyer and said, I think I'll just show up. So she starts driving toward the retreat and she's saying to herself, wait a minute, I could go get my, I could go get a foot rub instead. I don't have to go to this retreat. I could get a foot rub. I don't have to go. And she was turning the car around and then back around. And then she shows up at the retreat and the very first um, group activity we did was give each other foot rubs. There you go. <laughs> and she goes, oh my God, I wasn't going to go because I wanted a foot rub. And then I have one. So another woman showed up at that retreat and she said, I am debating whether I should be here or not. My dog has been missing for three days. Should I be at home looking for my dog or should I be here? And she was just all kerflumped, you know, and all tangled internally. And one of the three women, facilit there were three of us facilitating the treat retreat. One was a psychic or is a psychic. And she and I had a breakout session or we coupled together and I looked at her and I could see she was in the nether worlds. I could see she was with the angels and archangels and all of the company of heaven by looking at her face. And I said, why are there? Tell me where the dog is. And I get out a piece of paper and pencil and I write it down. And she's like, oh, and a cottage that's white with green shutters, big trees by it. The inside is an open plan. It's an old lady. She doesn't want to return the dog, blah, blah, blah. I'm writing it down. I go and I give it to this woman. I said, here's where your dog's at. After the retreat, she drives over there and gets the dog. So it was like these synchronistic things that are so good are happening all day long. And I have turned my focus on what doesn't work or what I'm afraid of. And so it really has been a profound shift for me to see that where I put my attention not only matters, but it expands creation. We, Gary and I had a couple of acupuncture treatments on Thursday night, back to back. We we're there for a couple of hours. And afterwards, Gary said, I want to take you out to dinner. And I mentioned several places and he picked one. 
he said, oh, that's a good one. So we went and we we parked right in front of the door. There was a space in the number one spot next to the door. And we had such a fabulous dinner. We were just sitting there looking at each other, eating great food, talking about how wonderful the experience was with the the uh, the doctor, how great the dinner was. We were both on cloud nine. We uh, paid the bill. We went out to our car and we had no car on the driver's side. There was a, a median there. And on the passenger side, there was a big, big SUV there. And underneath the driver's side window, a big, colorful sign, like a magnet, a a magnetic sign attached to the car that said, God is good. And Gary and I just looked at this sign and looked at each other, and it was just like confirmation. So, you know, when you're saying, you know, look for the good, expect the good, look for the good, you're going to find what you look for and you're going to find what you expect. Isn't that the basis, a lot of the basis of what it is that you teach, Bonnie? Yeah, but good is not in contrast to bad. That's the thing that we don't understand as humans is that, you know, like the Buddhists have their own word for divine good that is not it would be like good, bad, and divine good, right? So there isn't a contrast. It's just like all the time, always, the world, the universe, the presence is in league working for our highest good, period. And we don't understand. We don't understand it. We don't get it. We, you know, like, how could it be good that Medical Lake was burning? You know, how could that be how could that serve us? And um, and yet, Byron Katie says this, and I love it. She says, there are things that are God's business, things that are my business, meaning Bonnie's business, and there are things that are your, biz- your business, meaning the- your business. And don't get them mixed up. So it's like, your life is yours. It's not mine. Um, what's happening at Medical Lake is an act of God in whatever form that is. I don't know all the reasons behind it. I don't know everything that's coming out of it. I was so um, saddened, which is a a fair response, when um, all of the smoke was happening and people from our center were being evacuated from their homes. And um, that Sunday, when I knew I would be speaking, I went online and read, when was the last time Spokane had a big fire? And the last time Spokane had a big fire was um, late 1800s, um, kind of like Seattle. You know, they had a, a fire that tore to, took down the entire city. And the residents at that time got together and they're like, our city's gone. Maybe we should just move on. Forget it. Like, you know, it's going to take too much to rebuild all the stuff we say. And then three hours later, somebody goes, wait a minute, this is a great opportunity. We could rebuild our city the way that we want it. Like it was here before we came. Now, now it's ours. How do we want to rebuild it? And they ended up after that fire building the beautiful um, Davenport hotel that's here in town. They built, they created a city that they wanted to create because the one that was there was no longer there. 
And so I don't know why um, Medical Lake was burnt down, but what we can do as spiritual beings who know people there that we love, or if we don't know, but we still have compassion and are moved internally is we can help. We can help them have their um, new vision come forward. We can donate money. We can donate goods. We can go help clean up the city. There's all kinds of stuff we can do. So it's like back to Gary's thing is that, you know, he's having a new year. They're going to have a new city and they get to decide what does their new, what is their new city going to look like? People can help them create that. That's kind of magical. We, We say that the bad stuff is very unfortunate. You know, unfortunately, it burnt down. Unfortunately, there's, you know, illness and injury. And unfortunately, there's this stuff. But it does seem as though some things need to have a number nine year and go away in order to have a number one year. There you go. That out, you know, I know whenever I do a deep cleaning, it always looks a whole lot worse before it gets better. Sure does. Pull everything out. There's mess everywhere. And then I organize it and I put it all back and it looks better than it did before the deep cleaning. So you got to go through that messy part. Yeah. And that's supposedly what a lot of spiritual um, insightful people are saying about what's been going on in politics is that really all of our systems have been breaking down. You know, and recreating themselves. Our banking system has, our school systems have, our medical systems have, our grocery stores have. Like everything is breaking down and there's a new being created. So um, part of my prayer and my conversations with the field is that that is true. That that's so. I wish we had another hour, Reverend Bonnie Barnard. It's always a delight to talk to you, my dear lady. And I hope that we will do so again very soon. Yes. And happy birthday to you. I'm so excited for your year one. Please stay in touch and let me know the miracles that are unfolding, Gary. The two of you look happy and healthy, and it's really great to see you. Fantastic. Thank you. Back at you. Yep. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us once again. We'll be back next Friday. We've got a couple of very interesting shows, but you know what? We don't have time to tell you about them. So how about you just tune in? 10 a.m. Pacific, 11.50 a.m. in Seattle, or 1150kknw.com. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend and a great week ahead, everybody. Here's what's coming up next week on Manson Mitchell. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Mark Anthony with his recollections of meeting Calvin Parker, one of two abductees in the famous Pascagoula, Mississippi UFO case of 1973. On Saturday, Matthew Dix, author of Someday is Today, inspires us on how to make the most of our time and achieve big dreams. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150.